first sermon. I think I'm moving towards eight years here at Calvary, July, and uh, we've had three men, Brother Tony Bell, Michael Shepherd, and Brother Floyd surrender to preach uh, while I've been here, and I am so excited for him and uh, to find out what God's going to do for him and through him with the privilege that's been afforded him by the privilege of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it is that. So at this time, Brother Floyd. Good morning, everyone. here this morning and just hear my daughter say for God. I thank each one of you for being here this morning. It's been a, a long struggle for me to uh, stand up here. It's been almost three years I've been fighting and finally surrendered. So y'all be in prayer for me this morning as we go through our lesson, and I'm glad to see every one of y'all here today. Today we're going to be in um, 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to be, the title of the uh, sermon today is going to be God's Grace and Peace. God's Grace and Peace. We start out with uh, verse 1. Let me get my place here. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I come to you. I I thank you for what you've done for me in my life, Lord. I, I don't deserve it. I'm a sinner. You have blessed me so much in my life. And this morning, Lord, I thank you for each one that's here, that's sitting here, Lord. They chose to be here today. They made that choice. And I pray blessings among them. As 
as I stand up here, Lord, I pray that you protect me behind the cross and that I do not say anything that does not come directly from you through me, Lord. And I pray that it may touch someone today. Whoever needs it, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit lays it on them heavy. And Lord, as uh, we go through this rest of the service, I pray that uh, you be with each one that's here and that you prepare for the mission project that's coming up, Lord, that you go forward, go ahead of it. You clear the path. Everything, I pray that it's safe, Lord, that uh, lives are saved and and everyone is healthy and safe while doing it. Lord, we love you. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. We start out here in verse 1 with Simon Peter. We all know the stories of Peter and of Peter's love for God. He loved him, and we see that through his words. But here, he starts out this letter with Simon Peter. It includes both his given Jewish name and his symbolic Christian name. Now, if you look at what these names mean, it means servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, what is a servant? In today's time, we don't like really talking about it because it means slave, basically inferior. You know, it means ownership of a master. But we don't raise our children to be inferior. We don't like being inferior. So that word slave kind of throws us into uh, wanting to go to another place, in other words. But here's we see what apostle means. It means it claims the authority to be heard in the name of the Lord. Now, you want to know why Peter was so strong? Because he was a slave first. He wanted to serve an almighty God. He wanted to serve him. And he was given the authority to do so. Given the authority to do so. All of us in this room that are Christians have that same authority today. The question is, how do we utilize that authority? And I think as we go through and we learn what grace and peace means, we will see how we lack in the blessings that we receive because we do not, do not, utilize that authority that God gives us. We've gone through the verse that says, To them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God our Savior, Jesus Christ. All Christians have been given precious faith. Jews, Gentiles, male, female, It doesn't matter your race. You have been given that. We have been given faith. Once you say, Lord, I accept you, that faith is there. You should have your faith that he's going to take care of you. He's going to bless you, and he will be there forever beside beside you. It's precious faith. 
is given to us. We thank the Lord every day. I thank Him every day that He has given me the ability to have faith in something. He gave me the ability to have faith in Him. Us, as people, a race, we want to have faith in something. We all have to have faith in something. What is your faith in this morning? How strong is your faith this morning? Verse 2, we see grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through knowledge. Multiplied. You know, I went to Rising High School, but, you know, if you multiply something, you start getting up there into some numbers, so I would assume that means quite a bit. Grace is defined as God's unmerited favor displayed towards sinners who trust Christ for salvation. You can't buy grace. You can't buy it. It is a gift. It is given to us. You can't walk up here to Walmart, walk in and buy grace on the shelf, or pull up to McDonald's at the drive-thru window and order grace to go. That is a gift for us. I don't care how rich you are. If you're a millionaire or a billionaire, it does not matter. You can't buy grace. God gives us grace. That is a gift, and a gracious gift that is. A glorious gift that is. It says grace and peace. Peace is a sense of well-being and the attendant blessing that a person enjoys because of a right relationship with Christ. Listen to me on this one. A right relationship with Christ. Not just any relationship, a right relationship with Christ. And we'll be getting into more on that here in a little bit. Verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him hath called us to glory and virtue. All things that pertain to life. He has given us grace. All things through life. That means from birth to death. All things, he has given us grace after what we did to our Lord and Savior, his Son, Jesus Christ. He still gives us unwilling, willing grace. You know, once a year, during Easter, we think about what Christ went through. And we think about it pretty pretty seriously. But today, have you thought of it? 
can you imagine what our Christ went through in order for us, in order for me, the sinner I am, to have the opportunity to spend eternity in Christ and receive God's grace. We beat him. We spit on him. We put a thorn, a crown of thorns on his head. Then we nail him to a cross. And God says, here is my son. I'm giving him to you. I'm giving you my son. There's a lot of parents out here. I couldn't have done that. Think about Abraham. While he was walking up that mountain, knowing what he was fixing to have to do. Could you imagine what that conversation was like? Could you imagine the faith that he had to take to do that? The faith. Could you imagine doing that to your son or your daughter or your child? But God has given us this gift of grace. He's given it to us here on life, here in life. We have grace through good times and grace through bad times. It's actually a grace of God that we're here today. Each one of us woke up this morning. We walked out, and I'm sure most of us got in some type of a vehicle, correct? You know, we, we got in a car or a truck or a van. Here in Drew County, our highways, each lane of a highway is usually 9 to 12 feet, okay? Each lane on a two-lane highway. Our vehicles, our cars, are usually, on an average, 6 feet. So you take that six-foot car and you set it in that nine-foot lane, how many feet is left in that lane? When I went to school, I believe it's three. Correct me if I'm wrong. So you have three feet in one lane, three feet in another lane. And we are passing vehicles, expecting them within six feet to have their full guided attention to that road. We're passing them, hoping they're not texting. Hopefully, they're not looking at the radio. Hopefully, they're not doing something that's going to distract them. That footage is not a lot, but, you know, six feet is quite a bit. But when you add speed to it, each side doing 55 miles an hour, that's 110 miles per hour worth of vehicles that you are depending on to do what they're supposed to do. It is strictly by God's grace we are here this morning. How many cars did you meet coming to church this morning? Think about that. We do not think about how much God does give us on a daily basis. We are too worried about worldly things. We're too worried about things that we think will make us happy in bad times. 
Life's grace is while we are here on earth from a baby all the way to glory. You talk about glory and you need to get yourself right. Glory is what takes us to the cross. Glory is how we get there. Heavenly glory. We get earthly glory, but imagine the heavenly heavenly glory that we will receive once we get there. And it's all because of what Christ did for you and for me. We go from earthly to heavenly glory, and each one of us, that's a different time, date, stamp. We don't know when that time will come. The question is, are you prepared when that time does come? And this week, all these youth and adults will be out here putting some feet on the ground, doing missions, witnessing to people about that fact. Okay? It says that one way to heaven, and that is what? Through Jesus Christ. You have to know Christ as your Savior. We are told that God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. In Romans chapter 5, Verse 20 and 21, it says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Also in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 And he said unto me My grace is sufficient for thee For my strength is made perfect in weakness Most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities That the power of Christ may rest upon me. My grace is sufficient. When you talk about sufficient, that's not part of the time. That is all the time. And how how could God want to give me that whenever I'm a sinner like I am? How can God say, here, I gave up my son for you. I love you so much. Not only did I do all that, but here's the grace that I'm giving you. Here's the grace. And we're going to get into peace. But why would someone do that for you and me? He loves us unconditionally he loves us without a doubt 
He loves us no matter what. Good times and bad. Good times and bad. We get into peace that goes along with grace. And I'll ask you today, do you have peace in your life? Peace comes by godliness and virtue. Where are you at with your life? Where is your peace in your life? Why do we see every day, we see it all the time, why do we see born-again Christians walking around with their heads hung down, their shoulders slumped over, sad, irritated. Why do we see that? Are we not supposed to be the eyes or the examples for eyes that do not know Christ? Aren't we supposed to live Christ through ourselves and try to be as perfect as our Christ is and was? Shouldn't we be attempting to at least be happy for people to see us? What if all these youth this week went up to these doors, knocking on doors, all grumpy, sad? What do you think that person that's answering that door would think? I don't know if I want to be a Christian if that's the way they act. What if we come in here and we all know Brother Gary is a Bible preacher, He's a textoral preacher. What if our visitors come in and he was always angry and sad? They wouldn't want to come back, right? We, the way we act, is how we represent ourselves and how we look to non-believers. That's what they're seeing. We are not seeking peace God has peace hanging there. He's got both hands open and they're full of peace. And we're not going to get it. We're not taking the time to go and get peace. When we're unhappy, that's what we have to do. We have to seek the peace. Grace is given to us, but peace we have to seek. And I'll give you an example in my life. My wife and I, which I love very much, lived in Rising. We were, grew up in Rising, born, raised in Rising. We started dating when she was 14 and I was 16. We went to the same school. We went to the same church. We were married in that church. Have you be 25 years at the end of this month? I buried at the funeral for my mother in that church. Her family was there. What family I have was there. And we were doing what we thought was good. Everything was going great. She comes home one day and said that she had lost her job. That they were shutting down a plant, and they were going to open up another plant here in 
Monticello. I work for Game and Fish, and as a law enforcement officer for them, you have to live in the county that you're assigned to. So I had no idea what we were going to do. She knew that they told her that she could apply for the job here, which she did, and she she got a job for, with that new company here in Monticello, or the same company but a new business here in Monticello. I did not think that I was going to have the opportunity to get a job reassigned here in Drew County, but I did. It all worked out. God had everything in place for us. Once we got here, things didn't go very well. Uh, we argued more. We fought more. She was away from her family. We just wasn't doing real good. And we were looking for a church. Through all that, we found that if you put God in the center of your relationship and your marriage, things goes a whole lot better. And we were searching. We were looking for that peace that we're talking about here, that Peter's talking about, and we couldn't find it. We went from church to church for two years or more. Then... One Sunday, something led us here to Calvary. We walked through those doors back there, and me and my wife both said, do you feel that? It was a peace that come over us. We walk in, and the very first person that laid eyes on us about tackled us with hugs. Good to see you. Glad you're here. We hadn't had that in two years. All these other churches we went to did not have it. The days went by, the weeks went by, the months, the years, and we grew in our faith here. And every day I walk in that same door, which I come through a different one today, but every day I walk through those doors, I feel that peace in this church. I feel the love that the members of this church have and had for my family. You have to seek peace. It's not going to be there. It's not easy. You know, we, we have to look for it. We have to seek it. Virtue is conforming to a standard of right. And I believe virtue goes right along with peace. Conforming to a standard of right. Where are we at today in the United States of America on conforming to the standard of right? I can tell you it's not what God gives us, I can tell you that. We conform to what our government says, what the lawmakers say. That's our conformity nowadays. It's not what God says. That is why we do not have peace. We are conforming to the wrong thing. 
our government wants us to conform to their rules and regulations. Not our God-given rights. Everyone that's saved in this room today has God-given rights. It's not United States government rights. It's God-given rights. Where we conform to what the normal is, which the normal is becoming God out of households, God out of government, God out of schools, God out of everything. Until we start putting God back in to those things, mainly our households, we as a country will not ever have peace. When we kick God out of something, why does he want to be there? Why do we do that? As a Calvary Baptist church member, why would we walk around with our heads hung low and why would we do what everybody else does? I've been there. I've done that. I sin every day. Sometimes it's hard, and I think it was Wednesday night we got in a discussion with Brother Corey's class of how difficult it is on certain things and what decisions we make the decisions we make are difficult. Why do we not witness more? Why do we not represent being a Christian more? It's because we don't want to be chastised. We don't want to be made fun of. We don't want to be scrutinized God does not tell us that it's going to be easy right God will be with us with whatever we do but he doesn't say it's going to be easy when we look at complying to the normal we will find that it goes deep and it's hard to come back from it it is. Look at where our country's at today on abortion laws. I just saw a deal yesterday where two doctors had abort, aborted babies and they're sitting there playing with them. You know, marriage laws, taking prayer out of schools. God out of all these places. We have conformed to that. And what do we say? It doesn't really affect me. As long as it's not affecting my family, what, what does it bother me? Well, eventually we're going to have to stand up for our God-given rights and start conforming to what God tells us to do. We have got to. Verse 4 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Divine nature means 
the source and standard of all perfection. God is absolutely perfect. Amen. God is perfect. His way is perfect. His laws are perfect. So why would we conform to earthly laws, earthly ways, and kick God out to the side whenever he has absolutely perfect ways? Whenever I was growing up, I loved playing baseball. Whenever I turned 13, I was a pitcher. I went to Pine Bluff and started playing with the league up there. I had a pitching coach that come out, and I just would stay after practice and do a little bit of extra throwing every once in a while. And he come over to me after about the third day of seeing me do that and said, what are you doing? I said, I like the extra practice. I said, you know, practice makes perfect. He looked at me and he said, no, practice don't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. How can you learn to do anything if you don't practice it? If you don't seek knowledge on how to do it? Christianity is the same principle. You have to grow in your faith. You have to seek knowledge. You have to want peace. You have to receive the grace that God gives you. It's free, remember? We have to do all these things and we're missing it. We are not doing what Christians should do on a daily basis. We're not doing it. While we're here on this earth, we should want to be perfect like Jesus. We should want to walk perfect like Jesus did on this earth. That's something we should strive for, that we should look for, something that we should want to be like. Not what the United States of America says we should look like or walk like. We should do what Christ tells us we should do. We serve a loving God, a wonderful God, and an all-forgiving God. He loves us so much that when we sin, we mess up, He forgives us. All we got to do is ask for that forgiveness. That is something that, as a human, we have a hard time of doing. Somebody does us wrong, somebody makes us mad, somebody makes us upset, it is difficult for us to say, I forgive you, don't worry about it. Thank the Lord today that God forgives us on a daily basis with no strings attached. Why is that? Because he's already given his son for us to have that ability. We've already talked about that. He's given his son for us to have that ability and to spend eternity in heaven. We serve a perfect God, an almighty God. Today, 
you're here and you do not know Christ as your Savior, and you do not have that peace in your life, it is real simple. God makes it simple for us. The hard part's already been done. All you have to do is accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Admit you're a sinner and accept Him as your Lord and Savior. And today when we have benediction, I, I wish and hope and pray that you would come forward. Also, I told you about how loving this church is and was to my family. This evening, we kick off something with a huge family. There's going to be a lot of young people here, a lot of adults here, a lot of working parts here, a lot of things going on. I believe prayer works. I believe it works. I have faith that prayer works. Whether you have a youth today that is going to be working a project or not, I ask you to come up to the altar today and pray for these youth and this project coming up. The pastors here, the adults, the ones staying here all night with them, the safe travel, the workers that are going to prepare food for them, and also pray for the ones that are lost, that are going to receive that smiling face, that happy face coming up to their door. Pray for them that are lost, that they will receive Christ through this mission project. I thank everyone for listening to me today. And I pray that everyone here is blessed and receives blessings from a Lord and Savior that loves us, gives us grace, and wants us to have peace.